0: Not all kids respond to that. It wasn't until probably my fifth or sixth year as a varsity head coach that I started to recognize that some of my kids were slipping through the cracks, that my in-your-face approach wasn't working. I think as a young coach, you always make the mistake that you, you, you begin to think that you're more important than you really are.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. Thanks for tuning in to yet another episode. This time, we're heading into the basketball and golf world. You know the drill first. Hit the link in the show notes, join the club, get the weekly newsletter, and also leave a rating, maybe even a review, wherever you're listening. And don't forget to share this thing on social media. That's how we grow the club. That's how we get more high school coaches spreading their wisdom. Thank you for doing your part to grow the High School Coaches Club. And a huge thank you to Will and the gang over at Netting Pros for sponsoring yet another edition of the High School Coaches Club. In addition to the design aspect of facility improvement, netting professionals specialize in the fabrication and installation of custom netting, digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf protectors, turf, benches, cubbies, and so much more. Obviously, baseball and softball, giant markets for netting pros But they have customers in football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field, golf, and just about any sport you can imagine. They are truly making facilities better all across this country, providing high-quality products and services to recreational college, professional, and, of course, high school facilities, fields, courses, and stadiums throughout the country. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707, emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website, nettingpros.com, Or by checking them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. And if you're listening to this in the same month in which it went live, it's May, which means it's Mental Health Awareness Month. So a huge thank you to my guy, China McCarney, and the Athletes Against Anxiety and Depression Foundation for sponsoring all of our episodes in May. Triple AD is dedicated to providing resources to anyone dealing with a mental health issue by taking a modern approach to mental health. Through raising awareness and funds, AAAD is able to provide resources like free therapy to those that are suffering. It's also proud to now offer the Mental Health Manual and Companion Journal where you can get to work on your own mental health. Visit aaadf.org and mentalhealthmanual.org for more information. And let's all be the change for mental health. Our next guest, Bill Ackerman, can be a huge help to you. He was a longtime head men's basketball coach at West York Area High School in Pennsylvania, a school you might remember from episode 28 with former head baseball coach Roger Zerwinski. Coach Ackerman ran a phenomenal basketball and golf program before stepping down to spend more time with his family. He's now in the administration side of education, but as you'll hear in this conversation, he's never stopped actually coaching. So let's dive in. It's episode 32 with Bill Ackerman. All right. Welcome to the show, Bill. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. uh, Roger Zerwinski recommended you. He had uh, really nice things to say about you, incredibly nice things. And so uh, (laughs) pretty cool to to get to have you on here.
0: Well, I got to make sure I I give him his monthly allowance for uh, saying nice things. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, Roger and I go way back. Yeah it sounds like it. Um, yeah,
1: really cool to have you on. It's been, it's been kind of cool doing this show because I've um, you know, I started out at the first couple of people I interviewed were people that I knew personally here in, in Oregon where I am and then uh, it's just kind of grown through meeting some people on Twitter and then the, you know I'll have them on the show like Roger and then he'll recommend some people to me uh, and it just kind of keeps going and rolling and so uh, it's, it's been really cool getting to meet people from all over, especially when I get, when I get folks who know each other.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. It's, uh, you know, I, I always thought that coaching was all about the, uh, the connections that you make and especially within the coaching community. So uh, this certainly broadens that uh, nationwide, kind of cool.
1: Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, before we dive in with the high school part, uh, I, I had to definitely hit this part of your career up and I thought we'd go there first real quick. Um, you were the head coach of a team called the York city noise. Can you tell me what that was? And, and, and you guys won the championship that year too. And just kind of run through real quick. Like wh- wh- who was the the York city noise?
0: So, uh, about my, I guess it was my fourth or fifth year coaching high school basketball. We were pretty successful and, uh, Um, a person approached me. I actually thought it was a joke at first. Um, Community member approached me and said, hey, uh, the WABA, uh, kind of like the minor leagues for the WNBA, is starting up on the East Coast here. We're really going to start in like the tri-state area, which is Pennsylvania, uh, Maryland, and at the time it was New Jersey. Um, And uh, we're going to start... A a women's pro women's team called the York City Noise were interested in hiring you as the coach. I was like, Really? I was like, I've never coached women before and certainly never coached professional before, but uh, sure, why not? Uh, And it was, you know, it was like any startup, there were hiccups and uh, some teams ended up dropping out. Uh, I think it originally supposed to be 16 teams. I think by the end, we were down to 10, I think. Um, But, you know, they had a draft. Uh, We went up and and evaluated talent and, uh, you know, we drafted a team. And as it turned, you know, we tried to keep it as local as we could in the York, Lancaster, Harrisburg area around Pennsylvania, where we were. Uh, Ended up getting some great players. Uh, One was a former WNBA player who actually was from York, uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, So she was kind of like a local legend. Um we also had a couple of uh players who played in college. One was a uh, as a sophomore at North Carolina. She was up for player of the year and then had a knee injury and was never the same. Uh so you know uh, just a, a eclectic mix of of young ladies. Uh I think our oldest woman was actually 40 years old. Uh she was again like a a local legend at the high school level. Uh played division 1 basketball way back when and then all the way as young as I think our youngest was 21, uh, she had just graduated from uh, uh, Division II school. So we ended up going undefeated and, and winning the championship, and uh, uh, and then and then the the whole league dissolved, uh, which is you know, typical <laughs> of those kind of things. But uh, we really it was fun. I mean, there were a couple games where we played in front of well over a thousand people, uh, which is you know. It, just a a unique experience uh, coaching something like that. So, you know, I had coached before in front of, you know, a couple thousand in like a district game for high school, but uh, not like a, not a professional team. You know, we had, we had halftime entertainment and uh, it was pretty neat. (laughs) It was was fun. It was fun.
1: That sounds pretty cool. I, I had a a guy named Chris Miller, who uh, coaches here in Oregon. He coaches football and he, uh, played in the NFL actually too, but he um, he went and coached with the the reboot of the XFL that you know a couple of years ago, and same thing they they, they made yeah. it about one year and then folded. Yeah, and, and it,
0: but it was it was so unique. I mean, uh, coaching women is definitely different, um, and not in a bad way, in just a, a different way. Uh, but they are extremely competitive, and in some cases, a lot more competitive than my high school guys were um, tough as nails. And, uh, which, which really kind of played into my style of, of basketball anyway. Uh, but you know, it made me a better coach because I had to not just the X's and O's part, which, you know, I had to adjust, but just the, the coaching part, um, you know, there, there are practices where really, we, we would be practicing and we'd also, I'd actually bring some high school kids in to help babysit, uh, because a lot of the ladies had to bring some of their kids along uh, so it was really every practice was like a, like a family affair uh, <laughs> which was, was really neat and uh, but it really kind of helped me, uh, even though it was a one-year deal, uh, develop I think a better sense of connecting uh, on a personal level, not just you know from a coach player level and uh, you know I, I took that back to my high school coaching and I think it helped.
1: Yeah, I think I think along the way, we all eventually realize at some point that coaching people is just about relationships, ultimately.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So let's let's dive into the, the high school side now, since that's obviously where you've spent your career. That's what you've done for your life. Can you kind of walk me through just your coaching career, just kind of an overview of, of where you started and kind of where you finished?
0: Sure. Uh, I really I, I was a junior, I believe. Or a senior, I guess I was a senior at Shippensburg University. Uh, I was a high school player. Uh, I was a grinder. I wasn't a great player. Um, but I was good enough to play one-year Division three basketball, but then transferred to Division II, had to sit out a year because of the, at the time, transfer rules. Uh, and then when I, you know, when I redshirted the first couple months preseason, I saw the writing on the wall. So decided not to continue my basketball career um before it was ended for me but uh uh, (laughs) my senior year my senior year in college uh, a guy came to me and and said hey i'm i'm graduating but i coached the ninth grade team um or yeah the ninth grade team over at big spring high school uh and they're looking for a coach uh do you want to coach i had never coached before I'm, i'm a 21 year old kid and i was like well uh, I don't know what do you, I guess. Sure. Why not? And he's like, look, it pays, it pays 1200 bucks. I was like, I'm in. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And uh, really didn't have any um, vision of being a coach or anything like that. At the time I was actually a, um, thinking about going to law school. I was a dual major in business and communications. And um, so I, I jumped in, I, I, I coached for one year there uh, and that, That kind of hooked me. But as life kind of takes you in different directions, uh, it did. And probably about two or three years later, I ended up moving back to my hometown and picked up a job as a seventh and eighth grade coach in a small little private school. Uh, And then I was hooked. Uh, And from there, I got the freshman job at my alma mater, uh, did one year of that, and then moved on to varsity assistant for two years. But in the meantime, the well, coaching led me to teaching, uh, kind of in a backwards way. I, I really loved coaching, but I really loved working with kids, and it was kind of an aha moment. I was like, "What? Why? Why am I trying to, to, to get into business when I really like doing this?" So I took a leap of faith and went back to school. It took me two and a half years to get my teaching certificate but i did um and uh i i, I got a teaching certificate in english uh, and that was always my the one thing i loved in high school it's the only reason why i chose it and it's funny because people looked at me sideways like wait you're a basketball coach but you teach english shouldn't you be like a phys ed coach or something and i said no that's really a stereotype it doesn't always work out that way but um so anyway long story short uh I just, I just got my certi- certification for teaching and uh, a, a fellow coach that uh, from another um, school district, Hempfield School District, this guy named Parrish Petrie, uh, he happened to be teaching. I knew him through coaching, but he was also teaching in the building where I student taught. Um, and ironically, uh, it's now the building that I am a principal at. talk about coming full circle, but anyway, uh, Parish called me up and said, Hey, my alma mater, West York, um, has been through the ringer. They've gone through three coaches in five years. It's a disaster, but I think it's a goldmine. You know, the community is tough as nails. Uh, kids are tough. They need, they would, they need, they need a breath of fresh air. Uh, and I'm pretty sure they have a teaching position open. So, I went up and I applied for the coaching job um, and they, uh, they brought me back in the same day. Like I went in and, and interviewed for the coaching job. I was walking out the door and the AD ran after me and said, hey, I know this is short notice, but the principal just had me come out and ask you, do you want to interview for the English position too? And I said, absolutely. When, when should I come back? And he said, right now. <laughs> so, okay, okay. So, no, so I right around. Yeah, let's go. So uh, uh, I ended up getting hired as both the English teacher and the head basketball coach. I inherited a team that was five and eighteen the year before, um, but we had a sophomore class uh, my first year that was talented. And the one thing that the coach did before me that, that he did well was he kept that group together as freshmen instead of bringing them up. He kept them all together as as a freshman team, so they had they had built in chemistry, um, and now here, here I I had these sophomores, these super softs. So first year we go seventeen and nine, just missed winning the division, um, and then we were off and running from there. Uh, but uh, it was it was fun because I was you know still a very young coach. Made a lot of mistakes. I was not a great X's and O's coach, um, I, I, but I, I think I was. I think it was a built-in motivator. I could motivate kids. I could get them to run through brick walls for us, um, and we built our style after that. Um, you know, right off the bat, I, I I didn't think we had great basketball talent, but we had great athleticism, so. My first year, we instituted a, a, a full-court game where we pressed um, – we full-court pressed nearly the entire game. Um, and then that turned us into a fast-break team because our defense created our offense. It took the pressure off of me because then I didn't have to be a great half-court X's and O's coach because um, like I, I knew my, my weakness. Um, and it worked – so well that, um, for my first couple years, other teams just weren't, they just weren't prepared mentally for what we were throwing at them. Um, and there were times when I really think we won the game before we even started the game because other teams were so uptight about our pressure defense. Um, and really, uh, to be honest, it, it, I had just instituted it. For that group, you know, I, I figured oh, we will do it for two, three years and then we'll adjust. But it worked so well that I was like, well, heck with it. Let's just keep doing it. Um, <laughs> and that became that really became our our uh, persona. Uh, West York basketball. It's in your face defense, you know, for 32 minutes. Um, and, and certainly our first couple of years, we, we got we got successful pretty quickly, pretty early. But when we got to like the district level, in Pennsylvania, you have division, um, and then you have a league, which is kind of like the county. uh, And then you have districts, which is like maybe five or six counties put together. And then you have the state level. Um, We got to the district championship game in my second year. um, And it was almost... Like it, it shocked everyone, including me. <laughs> um, but <laughs> then we got our our butts handed to us in the championship game because we didn't know how to play a half court game, um, you know. And and, and we we're you know we were up against a, a far more athletic and talented team than than we really had. But uh, but it was fun, you know. It, it was it was the start of something special that um, we really built the youth program around that persona. Um, kids loved. Playing that style because I could play a lot. I had to play a lot of kids. You know that was the other byproduct of it. You knew if you're going to play for us, um, it didn't matter if you were, you know, fifth guy off the bench. You were probably going to play in the first quarter because we play ten guys in, in, you know, in the first quarter because because we we're all over the place, um, and uh, and that really obviously uh, was attractive to young kids. Um, it was a fun style to watch, uh, and you know. West York has always been a football uh, community and I think it always will be. But uh, for those, you know, 18 years that that I was there, I'd say for at least 15 of them, uh, we would challenge that that notion that it really became a basketball community. Um, And that was probably one of the things I was most proud of. Uh, Just, you know, the the way that the community rallied around our kids and uh, the program was something special to see.
1: It's a cool story to get where you are. And I, running a full-court press, I don't coach basketball. I coach baseball. But um, sure. from from watching you know, enough high school basketball, uh, when if you're a team that doesn't do that and you're not used to it, I could absolutely see going into the game, especially after you'd established it for a while, going, ah, we're going to play West York tomorrow. This is going to yeah. suck, <laughs> right? Yeah. If yeah. you're not prepared for it. And if you're the opposing coach, now you're having to spend a ton of practice time trying to prepare for what West York does instead of spending your practice time preparing for what you do well and I can see that being such a good equalizer and then something I'm really jealous about you know as a baseball coach I can only bring kids into the game you know if you're on the bench and I bring you in once I take you back out I can't put you back in again the rules don't let me and for basketball what a cool opportunity to be able to get all those kids way more playing time because you need them running all over the place like you're going to use them up it's it's such a cool system to run in high school and I can see it where Working so well, especially if you don't have like six, eight guys that are just going to dominate down right. low, right? Yeah. It's just such a good system.
0: And it was funny because in my 18 years coaching, I never had a single kid over six, so five. It's kind of hard <laughs> to believe. But uh, uh, it was kind of a joke after a while. Like, I'd, I'd get like this you know, one time we had a kid transfer in who was six, four, and I said, I don't even know what the heck to do with you. I was like, you're going to have to learn how to play. Uh, inside and out, because you know we don't have traditional post players. You know we play our guards post up, um, and and he loved it. You know, and, and he wasn't a traditional post player anyway. But uh, it wasn't. It was, it was. You know, we. I I really from day one, my goal was to develop basketball players. I wasn't into developing guards or post players or like I wanted my guys to be players like i need you to do everything if you're if you're five foot six uh you're gonna have to learn how to play in the post once in a while um because we'll, we'll post you up against the guy the guy who's covering you because he's never had to put to defend the post um so we create mismatches like that and same thing you know my my quote unquote post players would play out to 15 feet and learn how to put the ball on the floor and the guys who had to cover them weren't used to defending that so um, we used to create some serious mismatches just because I thought we had guys that, that were more complete than just the role that, um, that they you know, maybe traditionally would have in any other team
1: it's funny with basketball too like if you're I've always thought about this because I played through eighth grade so I don't I was not a basketball player uh, but um, I remember I was I was tall for an eighth grader kind of like I was probably like 5'11 mm-hmm. uh, I hit my yeah. growth spurt a little bit earlier than some kids and so I was the I was the post player and I always it, it's always like struck me I've always thought about that how okay so you're 5'11 as an eighth grader and let's say you get to call high school even as a 6'3 guy yeah, a lot of high school programs yeah. probably make you a post but it, when I watch college basketball six three guys are guards <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. so it's just it's yeah. just hilarious because I think what you were doing was actually legitimately making them probably better college basketball players because if I'm a 63 post going into college there are only a few colleges that are looking for six three posts I'm sure right
0: exactly yeah and and, and that was yeah, I, I can't tell you how many times that happened uh, in fact one of the better guards one of the better point guards we had come through, when he was a 7th grader, uh, he was 5'10". Um, when he was a senior, he was 5'10". <laughs> He's <laughs> not yeah, right. growing. Uh, but uh, it, the nice thing was, you know, he, would, he would play in the post, uh, quote-unquote, at, at the 7th grade level, but he would also bring the ball up. He was almost like a Ben Simmons type. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and, but it helped, you know, and, and he was tough to guard. At, at the junior high level, they couldn't guard him. Um, And then once he got up to our level, he started as a, a, as a freshman, actually. Um, He was a a great, he was a great point guard because like I said, he could still post up um, and he could defend that because he had to do that in in junior high. So kind of neat, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's my coaching career was um, just uh, such a wonderful experience for me. Um, I learned a lot of things. As a human being, um, I made a ton of mistakes, uh, but I think that's part of the growth process. Um, I was the kind of coach that I always thought that the more important thing was to, to teach young men how to to be young men. Um, you know, the, the wins and even the losses were one thing, but um, I really wanted my kids to to have something to, to fall back on because no one – No one coming through West York was going to play in the NBA. Um, You know, some of them would play college, but uh, that wasn't the most important thing. I wanted to. I really wanted to be good citizens, and and I thought for the most part we we did a good job of that.
1: You mentioned mistakes, and so I don't know if you wouldn't mind, Bill. For you know, we have a lot of young coaches listening who are probably early in their careers, who are probably trying to make those mistakes right now. Like they don't even know what mistakes they're yeah. currently making right now, I'm sure. Yeah. Would you mind sharing like any, any mistake that you made early in your career that you learned from that maybe a coach listening right now could speed up their maturation process?
0: Uh oh boy, where do I start? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know uh, I think earlier in my early in my career, I was I was a, what was I would say a, a hard nosed coach. Um, no nonsense. Um, get your butt in the in, you know on the floor and um, and it worked and it and it created toughness but I also think that that became um, a detriment because not all kids respond to that um, and I, it wasn't until probably my fifth or sixth year as a varsity head coach that. I started to recognize that some of my kids were slipping through the cracks, um, that my in-your-face approach wasn't working for them. You know, there, 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 there are kids on your team that you can kick their ass and they'll respond. And then there are kids on your team who need a pat on the back and a hug. Mm-hmm. After, you know, and, and, and so what I learned was, you know, I'd still kick them in their ass, but then I'd make sure to go over and give them a hug. Uh, and I think that's important because kids um, they really they really want to please they want to know that they are cared for um, and I didn't I didn't recognize that early in my career um, and uh, you know I think I hurt some relationships that way um, I'm lucky enough that I, I recognized it and I fixed it um, and I wouldn't say that I was hundred percent perfect on it no one is but um i really started to look at the, the my players not just as players um uh, but as you know as my sons you know and, and treat them accordingly so i think that the biggest thing as a young coach you want to establish yourself um but be careful of doing that at the expense of your players uh and you know I think as a young coach, you always make the mistake that you, you, you begin to think that you're more important than you really are. Um, and, and it's easy to do It's easy that it happens, you know, especially when you have success early. Um, and I think you have to always have to put yourself like back into, into place. Um, and remember that this is really about the kids. Uh, and what can I do to make this experience as good as I can for the kids? Um, and, and I think, uh, you know, early in my career, I think, um, I think I sacrificed relationships for wins. Um, and then I realized that, um, it really should be the other way around. You know, sometimes you have to sacrifice a win for the relationship. Um, and I can remember probably my seventh or eighth year in coaching, um, having flashpoint moments in games where I put a kid in who had just, uh, his, his confidence was shot, um, he's already walking to the bench because he thinks he's gonna get pulled, and I kept him in. And everyone, my assistant coaches, the, I think even his parents in the, crowd, in the crowd were like, get him out of <laughs> And instead I pulled him over and said, what are you doing? And he said, oh, I'm coming over to the bench. I said, why? I said, I need you in there. I get get back in there and fix it. I don't care what happened before. Go in and fix it now. You and, and as it turns out, he did. Um, we end up winning the game off of a huge offensive rebound that that kid grabbed, and he would not have been in the game three years before that. Um, but the, you know, that to me kind of proved to myself that you know sometimes you have to put the. The kid in front of anything else. Uh, and that's hard. You know, it is because it's always team before me. But um, you know, so I, I think that's the big thing. I think the other thing is as a young coach, you I know my biggest mistake is I think I sacrificed my own family for the sake of the team and the program. I spent a lot, a lot of time away from home. Um, and my son, who is now going to be a senior next year, um he was born in 2004 which was just at like the midpoint of our success uh i'd say you know 2006 2007 we were actually ranked number one in the state um for most of the year but uh 2004 2005 is when we won our first county title and dylan was born that year um and i spent a lot of time coaching other kids or other, uh, people's kids and not my own. Um, and, and I can never get that back. And that's something I'll always regret, um, to a certain extent. Um, I was able to do that later in Dylan's, um, life and, and I ended up after I, after I retired from coaching, I ended up coaching his, um, rec league team, um, helped with his baseball team and he's a big baseball player. Now he's a golfer, but you know, I still think back to that and, and I, I see that with younger coaches all the time. Uh, they spend an inordinate amount of time with their teams and they need to. I get it. That's the nature of the beast. Uh, but you can't start sacrificing your own family for that. Um, learn how to incorporate them more into, um, you know, what you do as a coach and vice versa. You know, um, you know bring, your, bring your team into your family. And your family into the team, um, and then I think you, you can you can be a better person and a better better coach for the kids as well as your own.
1: Yeah, I think back to like when I was a player, I, I don't I, and a high school player, I don't think I had any concept of how much time coaches are away from their families. And I don't think you really realize it until you're doing it. And you're in the middle of it. And like you said, it's kind of the nature of the beast. Like there's so much that you have to do and you so much time you have to spend with them. And you just don't realize it until you're in the middle of doing it. And you're like, wow, this is, <laughs> like, you are away from your family a lot, a lot. Uh, and you miss out on a lot of stuff. And it's, it's yeah. really difficult. Um, my, my son, he's, he's turning two in August. So, I've uh, as far as COVID happening, I I hate to say it like this, but it kind of happened at a great time for our family because it allowed me to not even coach, you know, his his first year of life. We didn't have base like we the our season got shut down three days before our first game. So I've been home, I've been home a ton, and then now the second year of COVID kind of we've had our season, but it's much shorter. It's truncated. It doesn't, it didn't include as much off season stuff because of restrictions. And, and so I still haven't had that, that normal year of coaching while having a kid, (laughs) but man, even now it's, I'm like, it's, it's making me question. I talked to all these coaches like, man, you know, I just, I don't want to make the mistake of missing out on my kid's life to coach other people's kids. And so trying to find that balance is really difficult.
0: Yeah. And I think you can do it. Um, but I think being aware of it is the key and I was not, I was, I was, you know, when Dylan was born, we were, we were, I was so deep into getting Dart our program to where I thought we could get it to. Um, and I'm not saying that I certainly did not ignore my, my born, <laughs> but, in this my nation, but I, I wasn't truly aware of how much time I was, I was spending not with him, if that makes sense. And I think when I, when I had, when I uh, was diagnosed with cancer in uh, 2013, that was the true wake up call, um, where I, you know, I realized, you know, life, life is short. You don't realize it, you know, And, and something like that happens and it's a wake up call that tells you, Hey, uh, you know, at some point, um, you've got to get your priorities straight and, uh, that extra workout, you know, I used to do off-season workouts. Um, I used to run them and because I always thought that, not no offense to my assistant coaches, but I always thought that that was my job and that was, I could do it. Uh, you know, that was a time to connect with the kids better. Um, and I used that to make connections with my players in the off-season. But as I got older as a coach, I realized that it was okay to let my assistants do that. Um, you know, and, and that all that then gave me an opportunity to spend more time with my own family, even like summer league games. Now you have summer ball and baseball. And, um, I was always under the mindset that I got to coach that that's my team. I got to coach that. Um, but I flipped that script probably maybe halfway through my career where I, I would make my assistants coach because it also allowed my assistants to get, to have, to have better connections with the kids. Um, and a different voice sometimes is, is wonderful for the kids too. So I think that was, that was something that ended up helping. I think
1: that's, I think it's like you mentioned, I think it's important for a couple of reasons. I think, especially for assistant coaches, it gives them, I think anytime you can give them space with the players where you're not there, it, it helps them not only understand what you, what you go through as a head coach, but I think it helps them find their own voice too. And I think sometimes when you have assistance around the head coach, uh, they'll defer to you a lot of the times they'll, Mm -hmm. they won't maybe speak up and they're not really sure when they can jump in at times also. And so I think, I think while, yes, it's great for us to be with our families during that time too. I think like you're saying, it also actually helps everybody helps the kids get different voices, like you said, and it helps the assistant coaches. And especially if they're aspiring to be head coaches someday, like what a great opportunity, like you can be the head coach during our summer leagues and, and get an opportunity to do that. And, and not have to deal with all of the year-round commitments that you would normally have to do as a head coach,
0: right? And and I think you know when you when you talk about your your coaching staff, I think it's important to hire staff that will challenge you. Um, you don't if you have a bunch of yes men on your staff, that doesn't help you as a coach. Um, you want loyalty certainly to the program, um, but you have to have assistant coaches that are willing to you know, say to you, Hey hey coach, I think we should try this, you know? And, and, um, you know, I know at, at halftime, uh, I required my assistant coaches to give honest feedback. Like, what are we doing? What do you see? So I always had one coach focusing on the defense. I had one coach focusing on the offense and they'd each get two minutes, um, to say their piece. And then as the head coach, then I would, you know, decipher where we want to go with each and, and go down to the locker room and, you know, deliver the, the unified message to the players. Um, and, and I think, you know, I I was lucky enough. My last, I guess it was my last three years of coaching. Um, a former coach, head coach, uh, of a rival school had retired. Um, and when he retired, I jokingly said, Tom, when you're ready to come back, give me a call. Um, I'd love to bring you on staff because he had told me at the time when he, when he stepped down, he said, I'll never be a head coach again. I, I'm just, I don't want the time commitment. Um, I said, ah, you, you still have in your blood. So sure enough, uh, he called me and said, Hey, you know, I think I'm ready to come back. <laughs> I said, you serious? <laughs> I said, let's go. So what was neat was during practices, because Tom coached against me for so many years, um, uh, he on yeah, the scout team. Awesome. Yeah. And it made us so good, um, because he, he would show us, here's how you beat that. Here's how you beat the West York press. Here's what you do to drive West York crazy. And then we would fix it. You know what I mean? So it was, it was, uh, I, 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 can't say enough to coaches about, um, don't be afraid to put guys on your staff that will challenge you. Um, you know, because I think it as long as they are loyal to the program and, and loyal to ultimately to, to you and what your vision is, I think it can only help you.
1: That is next level stuff. Hire the head coaches that coached against you oh, to come in and run scout teams. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic.
0: Yeah. It was good stuff. And it was funny because he ended up teaching us, he ended up changing our defense in the half court to what he did when he coached at York Suburban. And uh uh, cause it always used to drive me insane. Uh, and I, said, <laughs> I, I, I want my guys to, how, how do we do that? And he said, well, I'll show you. Um, so we incorporated that into our, our defensive scheme my last couple of years. And it was, it was fantastic. So, uh, was, so it was awesome. yep yeah.
1: Really cool. Uh, I also want to make sure we get into culture because I mean, you mentioned the team was five and eighteen. You know, the year you before you took over, Um, a lot of coaching, as you obviously you know from your time, is building a culture within your program, and um, you know you have this vision of what you want people to maybe say about your program or what you want kids to leave your program feeling. can you get into that? Like, what what was your vision for the culture of the program? What what did you want kids and, and players and families and community members saying about West York basketball?
0: I I always wanted uh, our guys to be the toughest team on the floor, um, and that was mentally and physically. And uh, you know, I always t- told my guys, um, you know, the physical part is one thing. Uh, but the mental part uh, can't be beat, you know. Anymore. So I would really beat my guys up mentally in practice and really hammer them, not yelling all the time, but, but, but challenging them. Um, like we would typically play um, five against six, five against seven, um, you know, to, to put my guys in positions that, you know, we're losing positions. And make them figure out how to to get out of it. Um, you know, we stressed little details about you know, like every coach does. You know, the, um, like hitting every line on a, a line sprint. And I don't know how many times we'd have one guy out of fifteen um, miss a line. You know, everyone back on the line. You know, if, if one guy misses it, we all fail. Um, those little things, I think, matter. So. We early on in my career, I think we did a nice job of flipping that script of what was there, and it was this losing mentality. To oh no, we're going to we are going to be the toughest team on the floor, and people are going to be afraid to play us. Um, and that's really what we we tried to establish early on. We wanted to be the team that no one wanted to play, and I think by year three we had established that and. Um, it was it was tough that first year. Um, you know these kids don't know me from uh, from Adam, and, and uh, there was there were some growing pains, and we had to get rid of a couple of seniors who, you know, as juniors had started, um, and they just assumed that they were going to be starters for you know their senior year, my my first year, and I tried to explain to them. You were, you were a starting player on a 5-18 and 18 team. Yeah. You are not good enough to start on this team because we are not a 5-18 and 18 team. Um, I'd love to have you be a part of it, but if you're not going to accept the role of coming off the bench and doing what we want you to do, then, you know, you make your own decision. And we did. We lost probably three. I think we lost three seniors my first year. Um, but the seniors that stayed, uh, they bought in you know and i was lucky that i had a couple of seniors that were multi-sport athletes um, and they bought in right away um, and i I'll, I'll never forget a quick story my first game as a coach at West York now understand i had all summer to work with the guys we instituted a you know a new style of play we instituted a, a new half court offense we instituted a new kind of defense uh, but I thought by the end of the summer, our guys got it. And in preseason, I thought we looked good. And I, I said to my assistants, man, I think, I really think we're going to have a heck of a season. Well, our first game is against the defending state champions, Susquehanna yes, yeah. Township. Let's test it right now. Uh, I like, yeah. I said, and I said to the assistant coach, I said, well, maybe it won't happen this first game. But <laughs> so. But I was terrified because I, I said to my assistants, I said, we need to get off to a good start because if we get our butts kicked in this first game, it's like going back to the drawing board. I don't want that, that, that self-doubt to leak in. Like our guys, we had our guys frothing and about as confident as you could get going into that first game. Um, and right off the bat, we go down 7-0. Um, and, you know, just keep going. Now it's 9 nothing." Okay, we're, we're good. Keep keep doing what we're doing. It's eleven nothing, and my assistants now are looking at me going, uh, "Coach, you have timeouts, right?" I said, "Oh no, I said no. We're not using timeouts. They got themselves into this. They're going to get themselves out of it." Thirteen nothing. Now no one's saying anything on the bench, but you can. You, everyone's looking around, and I'm like, I'm, I'm fuming. I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to be the first coach in history to get to get shut out in his, in his first. Of varsity basketball coaching debut so it goes to 15 nothing and finally I jump up and call timeout cut the guys come over um, and I give them the classic no talk I just stare at him not say I don't say a word to him I just stare at him and then you know right before the you know the, the horn blows for the guys to go back out I said do I really need to say anything and my one senior Seth McLean uh the multi-sport athlete uh looks at me and says no coach we got this and guess who scored the first points? Seth McClain. And then we were off and running. And, and actually, we got to within four points of, of Susquehanna Township in that game to the point where there's a minute and a half left and we get to within four and he has to call a timeout. And he is screaming at his players. Um, and we're over in my huddle and I tell my guys, I want you to take a minute and look over there. And everyone looks over at their huddle. And I looked at them and I said, you guys caused that. That's Bulldog basketball. And from there on out, they believed. Um, we lost that game by seven. The next night, we played Eastern York, who had won the division. They were in our division. Ended up being a huge rival of ours. But they have won the division the year before. We beat them in overtime. Um, and that kind of propelled us into... You know that first that first season so building that culture you know it's a delicate thing um but you have to stick to your guns uh and and you know that that first game we're down 15 nothing 17 nothing i was like god Almighty, i hope i'm doing this right but uh, <laughs> uh, you know if you get that buy-in uh you only need a couple of kids to buy in and then they pull the rest with them and uh and that's in in our case that's what happened a couple of really
1: good lessons in there that I've, I've heard some other coaches speak of too who have taken over programs uh, and ultimately almost every single one of us ends up taking over a program uh very few get to start a brand new program and so almost yeah. all of us are taking over you know somewhere that already has a culture that already has players and more often than not as high school coaches we're taking over a program that wasn't very successful the year before we take it over um usually not always the case but a lot yeah. of the times yeah. A couple of things you said in there, I've heard before, which is um, when you're changing a system or a culture, sometimes you have to give some kids a choice of, of getting off the bus if they're not going to be, you know, if they're not going to be able to to be part of this new culture moving forward, and it's a it's a tough lesson to give, but I think for the the. The health of the program, you have to. You, you sometimes have to make that offer to a kid. Uh, not that you're kicking yeah. him off the team, but that you're you're giving him the choice. Like, do you want to be part of this or not? You know.
0: Right. Yeah, and, and, that, and that's what we did. But I didn't. I didn't kick anyone off the team. Um, they were given the choice. Uh, and a couple of guys, you know, said uh, the one guy I'll never forget. He's a football player. Came to me respectfully after like the first, I think, week or so. And he said, coach, I love, I, I really love what you're doing. I just don't know. If, I don't know if I can be a part of it. And it's not, it, it's not because I'm against it. It's just, I just don't, I don't think I'm this kind of player. Um, and I, I don't want to get in the way of someone else. And I thought that was a, a huge uh, thing to say for a, you know, a 17 year old kid. Um, you know, and, and I always respected Margettis for saying that, but, um, you know, and then there was a, then there was another situation where, you know, the senior, you know, was not happy with his lack of playing time, and um, you know, and came and said, "I just don't, I don't think I can, I don't think I can give 100% if I know I'm only playing a couple minutes a game." Um, so I think I'm going to step away. And again, I said, "You know, I respect your decision. That's a, it's you know, it's a very mature view, but." It was tough because his dad at the time was our booster club president. So yeah. I, I yeah. lost, I lost the player, but I also lost my booster club president. So that, that hurt a little bit too, but, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it is something that uh, I, I don't think, I think you let the kids make the decision, but then they have to understand that once you stay on the bus, uh, you, you're on the bus, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to go in the same direction as we are going. Um, and that's, I think, a lot of times your first year of coaching, even your second year of coaching, is all about building that, that trust um, and then that, that team chemistry. Um, and once you have that, you know, I think the, the, world, the world is really your oyster.
1: Absolutely. And, and the, the, the second thing that I heard in there that I've heard quite a few coaches mention, uh, and it seems to be a common theme among coaches whose teams happen to also win a lot of games. And the the basic premise of it is, it sounds really simple, but it's true. It's making practice Way more difficult than the game, and so you're mentioning yeah. things like playing five on six, playing five on seven, like being really hard on kids during practice, and in in in, in, a, in a healthy way, but trying to make practice really really difficult so that when they get into a game, as you mentioned, not only physically but also mentally, they're able to perform right. And mm-hmm. it's 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 really cool to hear. I, we do it in baseball. There's a lot of ways you can do it in baseball, and so hearing about it in other sports makes a lot of sense. Like I never would have crossed my mind, but. Yeah, duh. Put seven defenders out there. Go play. Good luck.
0: (laughs) And even something like in baseball, um, you know, if you know, and I don't know what you're, you know, when you when you're working with your pitchers, um, you call the balls and strikes, and call a couple of those strikes as balls, um, and see how your pitcher reacts. You know, all right, well, now now what are you going to do? And uh, we used to do that to our players all the time. Um, When I had guys that would react to every call. in practice, guess what I would do? I'd blow the whistle every time, like every time they would even touch someone, I'd call, I'd call foul, on, And then <laughs> I'd tell whoever's covering them, I'd pull them over and say, go to town. And I wouldn't call anything. And they'd get hammered and they wouldn't, they would stop playing. And I'd, I'd stop practice and say, I'm sorry. What, did someone, did someone blow the whistle? I didn't hear? Who's that? Like, I, I said, I didn't hear a whistle. So you're gonna stop playing? Because you expected a whistle? I said, that's your problem. You know, those kind of conversations, and it made them tougher. So then when they didn't get those calls in the game, well, hell, this guy's not as bad as as Ackerman is as a ref. So (laughs) So, (laughs) doing those kind of things, I think, helps mentally them prepare for those situations where they don't get their way, Um, you know, and and putting putting them in situations in practice where you're not going to get your way. Now what are you going to do?
1: Yeah, I had, a, I had a coach on here uh, a few weeks ago from Texas, baseball coach named Kyle Mickles. Amazing conversation. And uh, we got into this conversation quite a bit from the baseball side of it. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the, he, he basically said his goal in practice is essentially to get his like players, especially the nice ones, nice good guys uh, to try to get them to drop an F bomb or throw their yeah. helmet or just try to get them riled up over something. Uh, yeah. Because he's like, if, if if I can get them to do that, then I know that I'm making practice difficult that I know that I'm getting them frustrated. <laughs> and then in yeah. turn, right, when they get to a game umpire blows a call, I don't know, you, you strike out whatever it is, like, it, you're gonna be okay, because you know, I've been here before, I'm gonna be fine. This is no big deal.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and, you know, I, I can imagine in, in baseball, like doing something like in situations, which I'm sure you do, but, you know, putting a guy on, on uh, second and third, uh, with no outs, um, you know, and playing from there, you know, putting a pitcher that maybe struggles in those situations. All right, get yourself out of it. Um, you know, and, and the same thing with the hitter, you know, okay, you've got the, the winning run right there on third base. Um, and there's two outs and you have a full count against you. All right, let's, you know, let's put you in those situations and practice those things and make it tough. Um, and failing's is okay um, because I think that was part, practicing that part is important too. Knowing,
1: knowing, well, I mean, in life, it's a, that's a life lesson, right? You're gonna, we, we just had this conversation yesterday. We had a tough loss yesterday, and one of our assistant coaches, like, mentioned to the guys, you know, that this, this loss in the baseball game over the course of your life is gonna be nothing, but you are gonna fail and be disappointed a ton during your life. And so, if you can handle it, it's so important. So, anything we can do to teach teenage boys or girls how to handle failure in an yeah. appropriate and healthy manner, like, that's huge.
0: I agree, and, and I think that's part of the problem that we see now, um, you know, as a principal, uh, it's kids don't know how to handle, they don't know how to handle two things. They don't know how to handle failure, and they don't know how to handle success, um, and, and I think that is a teachable skill on both sides, you know, and, um, you know, we were, uh, we were adamant about how to handle wins and losses. And, um, uh, like I told my guys, um, you know, there should be very little difference in, in your demeanor when it comes to, you know, highs and lows like that. You know, if you get too high after a win, um, the only place you can go is down. Yeah. And if you get too low on a loss, it's hard to pull yourself out of it. Um, so, uh, you know, I see that with, with middle school kids all the time, um, you know, they get in trouble, and I'm talking to them in my office, and one of the things I say to all the kids before they walk, and, and they know it now too, I said, hey, let's hit the reset button. Before you walk out of this room, I need you to hit the reset button because when you walk out of this room, we, we've, we've set our piece. You, we're doing what we have to do to, to fix the problem. Now, you know, move on. We're moving forward, not looking back. Um, and I think as athletes, that's an important skill, you know, having that short memory um it's good you know you, you, you can't hold on to things too long next play and they say it all the time next play
1: i think uh golf is one of the great areas where that yeah. is really important too and yeah. i know that you also coached golf for quite a number of yeah. years uh as well did you do anything like was there anything that you took as a basketball coach over to golf
0: I took a lot, actually, um, really? because I, the the, big, the running joke is that I am the worst golfer who was a golf coach <laughs> in the history of golf pitching. Um, I am a traditional '90s kind of shooter. Um, hey, me so, too. All right. Yeah, and uh, I. But what I was, I think, what I was good at was teaching the mental side of it, and um, you know, getting the guys to. Uh, you know, I knew the game. Um, I could teach them course management. I just couldn't show them how to get the ball there. Um, and and I would I would bring other guys in. You know, the, the 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 pro at the course where we practiced would give a weekly um, a, a weekly uh, uh, lesson to the kids. Um, but we would talk about you know how to handle yourself on the course, how to handle failure. I would in practice, in same thing, in golf practice. I'd go out with my best player and um, I'd make him use my drive. Like he would drive and i say, all right, that's, that's, that's a good drive for me. I'll play from there. And then I'd hit my drive and say, now you go over there and hit from there. <laughs> <laughs> Which is typically behind a tree or, you know, in the rough. And um, I would walk up to their balls and step on it and say, eh, I'm sorry, it's a bad live. You're going to have to hit out of it. Um, So little things like that to again, you know, to to work that mental muscle, I think, is important. But uh, you know, I'm I'm really close friends with a professional golfer. I grew up with him. His name is Jim Furyk. Jimmy and I uh, um, grew up in Township, and um, you know, I was I was in his wedding, and um, you know, just a great guy. But uh, I I still he still kids me about it because whenever I go down and, and visit him and play, he's like, "God, you really suck." He said, how, how, the did you, how did you win some of the team championships for golf? I said, Just Good players, Jim. As long as you have good players, you can win anything.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. It makes sense to do the failure model with golf. I've, I I never even thought about it, but it makes a ton of sense. I've always wanted to coach golf. Uh, like you, I'm also, I would be the worst probably the worst at least in Oregon the worst golf coach ever Uh, but golf's also (laughs) during baseball season so it doesn't happen but I was thought, man how fun would that be to go hang out with the golf kids and 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 be around them and and golf with them and no matter how bad I am
0: uh,
1: and 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 just kind of see that other side of the world where golfers are good because me and all my buddies we are we're all pretty bad at it
0: right right well and I don't let anyone tell you any different um golf coaching is the best job in the world you have your golf coach for a high school team man you get to play golf every day with the kids um you know and, and you you drive the van get them to the course let them go play in pennsylvania you're not allowed to coach while they play um, so you really just spot for balls and it's kind of boring the, the, the matches themselves are kind of boring as a coach but um yeah it's a it's a great gig uh, I, I did it for 13 years, I believe. And, uh, that was one I, I had to give up at the time because of the time commitment, but, uh, you know, not without kicking and screaming. I was like, man, I really don't want to give this gig up, but, uh, it was fun.
1: Yeah, we have uh, we, at my previous school, we'd have a lot of trouble filling some of the golf coach spots some years, um, oh, because people would have this, and I'm like, I would tell people like, if they're on, I'm like, you should do this. You're going, they're going to yes. pay you yeah. to go golf, and really? you don't have to pay to golf. Like, they're going to pay really? you to golf,
0: That's
1: right. <laughs> like, That's right. all week. So go do yeah. it, man. It's like the yeah. best thing ever.
0: And and we had a great relationship with the golf the the golf course that we practiced at um i'd go and play for free all the time you know even even when the season was over i'd go over and hey mind if i go out yeah go ahead coach taking someone with you yeah take one of my players with me and uh (laughs) so it is a good good gig (laughs) so
1: cool Uh, i think you're the first golf coach we've had on here although i know that wasn't the the main thing you did but uh (laughs) congratulations there we go um so i know you i know you stepped away from basketball uh back in 2016. um can you walk through that with us how did you know you were done Uh, what was going on in your life that made you kind of decide that it was time to step away
0: uh i i kind of saw you know after i I, like i said i uh uh, diagnosed with prostate cancer in 2013 um was surgically cured in 2014. Uh, i've been cancer-free since but that was really a wake-up call um, and I started to see that I, I just didn't think that I could give 100% of my effort mentally and physically, you know, it, it, you know, coaching is, is a full-time job now. It's not just in season, it's off season too. Um, and if I couldn't do that, then it wasn't fair for me to, to stay in the position I was at. So, you know, uh, probably around 2015, um, I, I decided that, all right, if I'm not going to coach for another, you know, when I got into it, I thought I'd coach for 30 years. Um, and then around year 16, I was like, whew, I'm only halfway there. I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> um, and so I, uh, I, I knew that I would still want – I'd still want a leadership position of some kind. I love the classroom, don't get me wrong. But um, for years, I had held back from other um, – Administrators saying, you know, you should get into administration. I always said, no, I'd never do that. Uh, That does not. It's not something I want to do. But then, I had a couple friends that were principals, and talking to them, the one guy, um, Mike Allison Droney, a friend of mine who was a middle school principal at the time, really, he principles like a coach, um, even though he never did coach. But uh, he said. Uh, coach, this is, this is right up your alley. He said, all I do is I, co- I coach my building. I coach my teachers. I coach my, my students. Um, it's just another form of coaching. So I went back, I started to get my uh, principal certification. And when I did that, that's when I dropped um, golf. Um, and then as I started to, to come to the end of my principal certification, that's when I started thinking, maybe this is a good time to retire from basketball coaching too. Um, and it was tough. It it was, it was a hard thing to do, but I also, when I made that decision, I knew I was going to walk away forever. Like I was, I didn't, uh, you know, I I still tell people to this day, I didn't resign. I retired, um, officially. I would never coach again. And I told my players that, um, I remember that room was a, um, it was an emotional room when I told the kids, uh, and I said, "I I am telling you this, um, And you'll hear me say it to other people, but I mean it. I'll never coach another team because once you've coached West York basketball, I can't get any better than this. And this is the way I want my coaching career to end. Um, And I've lived up to that. And and to be honest with you, Max, I I don't miss it. I miss the relationships. I miss the practices, Um, but I don't miss all the other stuff. You know, and and I don't miss the sleepless nights before a game. I don't miss the the stress of when you lose two in a row. What's you know is the (laughs) is the is the sky falling? And I don't miss the uh, um, you know some of the tough parent conversations that you know you have a parent that just doesn't understand, um, just doesn't seem to grasp what you were trying to do. Um, You know, and and, but at the same time. I miss you know those conversations one on one with kids, um, and I've tried to make up for that. You know, uh, like I said before, before I, I coached my uh, my son's rec team, um, Dylan's Dylan was a heck of a baseball player, uh, but then he switched over to golf. Uh, he was never really a great basketball player. I always kind of blame myself for that because I never coached him. I coach <laughs> other people, but um, he, he he likes the sport and he's good enough to play rec. So that, you know. We coached a couple of years there, but I told, um, my wife, I said, man, I, uh, I don't know if I, I, I really don't like coaching rec ball because it's a different commitment. You know, I these kids don't have buy-in. they just, they just show up, you know, and they're, they're put <laughs> their sneakers on. They're like, all right, coach, what are we doing? You know, um, so that's tough for me, but I, I do like, you know, spending more time with my son that way. And, um, I do principle like I coach, um, uh, you know and, and i think i'm a good communicator uh i think that translates well in the position i'm in now so um yeah i i when i when i walked away from coaching i really honestly walked away and i haven't looked back i do enjoy talking to other coaches about it i love that but um i would never want to do it again
1: well yeah first off congratulations on on being cancer free that's Thank fantastic you. um yeah, you, you know, missing relationships, and that's what you you walk away and think about. You don't miss all the other stuff. And I can, as someone living through all those things you're mentioning, I'm like, yeah, the, yeah, someday when I'm not involved in that, the actual coaching aspect, I will certainly enjoy it. Uh, obviously, right now, I still love the other parts enough to, I guess, to sure. to battle through all of it. But um, mm-hmm. you mentioned relationships, and that's what you miss. And I did read, you know, one of the articles about you when you retired from coaching. Uh, you had a senior at the time named Darian McCall. Um, who said that you were like a second father to him and uh stuff like that like h- how does that do you still have good relationships with those players are you still in contact with them like how how has that impacted you as as you've left the coaching ranks
0: uh, you know I, I it's funny because um i do, i'm not in contact with them as much as i'd like to be and I think part of that is just, that's life. You know, the, yeah. these guys are, are in the middle of their glory days. Um, you know, they don't need to talk to their old ball coach, uh, but um, you know, Darian and and some of those other kids, you know, it did, it, you know, it chokes me up even now thinking about it. Um, you know, those kids are your life, you know, and, and you do give everything uh, to them, um, you know, and, and sometimes it works out, and sometimes it doesn't. And it's, it's kind of ironic. I have a, a former player who only played for us until I think his freshman year. Then he wasn't good enough to play much more than that. I mean, maybe his sophomore year, but I made Mark a deal because I knew he was, he was big into journalism, and he still wanted to be part of the team. So I approached Mark his senior year, and I said, Mark, um, why don't you do an internship with me? He said, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, look, you're not good enough to play for me, but you are good enough to still be part of this program. So why don't you use your journalism skills to your advantage? I need a director of basketball operations." And his eyes got big. And he said, "Is there such a thing in high school?" I said, "There is now." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he yeah, did. That's what he was for our, for his senior year, and he loved it. And he and he organized the uh, our uh, student section and he would write the um, articles for the newspaper about the games and he would call in the scores and uh, to the news, the local newspapers and uh, he'd take pictures and it was, it was great. It was a great experience for him. But now ironically, he just approached me maybe six months ago. He said, "Uh, coach, I had this crazy idea. He said, I want to write a book. (laughs) I said, you want to write a book? Great. Um, He said, I want to write a book about West York basketball. I was like, Oh God, Mark, are you kidding me? (laughs) And uh, he said, no, I'm serious. And, and, and I, I knew what his focus was going to be. And I said, look, I said, I'll, I'll help you. I mean, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll contribute, but on one condition, really two conditions. Number one, um, this isn't just about my time there. It has to be about West York basketball before me and after me. Um, uh, you have to pay homage to them because that's those are the shoulders that we stand on. Um, and I said, number two, um, if you're going to do it, make sure you understand that, you know, don't let it get bigger than your priorities in your own life. Cause I know Mark Mark's the kind of kid that once he grabs hold of something, he, he kind of ultra focuses. And I knew he would spend way too much time doing this than with, you know, spending time with his children or anything else. So, um, he started this process and, and, um, we've had a couple conversations and I think he's surprised at the fact that I, I'm not, I don't have great relationships with some of these kids because I think some of these kids, because early on in my career, I was so hard on them. Um, there's some resentment there and, and I don't blame them and there's some regret on my side too. Um, and I think that's, that's part of the growth, growth process too, as a coach, Um, you know, but I see some of my former players and the success that they're having. Um, and it makes me feel good. Um, not that I'm taking credit for it, but because ultimately as a coach, that's all you want for your kids. You know, you, you want them to be successful. Um, and if they never say thank you, if they never call again, if they never give you credit for anything of it, that's okay. As long as they're having success, that's what matters. Um, You know, and I think that's one of the big takeaways that that I've taken from being away from coaching um, is I wish while I was coaching, I was still staying in contact with those guys from earlier in my career. But, uh, you know, I was so focused on the guys in front of me that I didn't think about the guys who graduated as much.
1: When I was in grad school i think uh it might have been my undergrad i'm not sure it doesn't matter but i we had an assignment where we had to go interview a former teacher of ours and so i went back to my old high school and interviewed a guy named dan bless who i I adored he was a social studies teacher history teacher and one of the quotes he one of the things he said like i've never forgotten it it's it's been something that's been so it's resonated so well especially as i've moved into coaching and i've been doing this for a little while and he said that uh, as a teacher, he, he didn't even coach at the time anymore, but he said as a teacher, you know, you don't really know the impact you're having. You can't really measure it. You may never know it. Like you might just never, mm-hmm. abs- you, you, you don't know the effect you're having on kids, the impact you're having. And he talked about how he's like, that's why I love doing yard work so much. He's like, because I can mow my lawn and I can see the lines. I can see <laughs> the impact I'm making. He's like, But, but with coaching and with teaching, you, you never really know. And he yeah. said, you, you just kind of have to be okay with that. You have to. You have to hope you're doing the right things and, and, but ultimately you you may never know. You may never find out. They may never reach out to you again, but you just got to kind of be okay with that.
0: Yeah, I agree. 100%. And, and, and Max, I think you hit it on the head. Um, If you can tell the guys who get into coaching for their own devices, um, and then you can tell the guys who are in it for the right reasons, Um, you know, the guys who self-promote, um, okay, that, that, that's I guess that's that's what you want to do. But the guys who promote their program, um, you know, and sometimes it's promoting your program through what your program accomplishes on the room. Uh, I think that's more important. And uh, you know, you don't get into teaching, you don't get into coaching uh, for a pat in the back because you'll never get it. Uh, you know, and I think it's important, uh, especially as a teacher. Um, to be in it for the right reasons you know I always I always kid you know my wife is a teacher um, also but my wife doesn't teach English she teaches kids uh, and I think that's you can say that about coaching too. Um, I didn't coach basketball I didn't coach golf. Uh, I coach kids and I think that's the, the, the I think the greatest form of respect, that you could ever give me, that anyone could ever give me is to call me coach. Um, and the thing that that excites me more than anything is whenever I see any of my former players, even my former students, um, they never say Mr. Ackerman, they always say coach. Uh, and I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. It's funny you mentioned that
1: about you. Know, well, I guess I kind of mentioned it too. But you, you might never know the impact you have. We just uh, this is Teacher Appreciation Week that, that we just recorded yeah. this, and um, so yesterday I if we have we're in hybrid learning mode, so we've got I've got about ten kids in the classroom at, on any given time, and mm-hmm. uh, yesterday we did this thing. I'm like, okay, let's take five minutes. You're on your Chromebooks already. Just let's look up an old elementary school teacher and, and shoot them an email and say thanks. Mm-hmm. And I had a handful of kids that were like. I don't really want to do that. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like you will, you will change this teacher's life right now yeah. if you take three minutes to just email them say, hey, you know, Mrs. Storts, I, I was just in class. It was Teacher Appreciation Week. I thought I'd say, really appreciate having you as a teacher, Missy. I really enjoyed your classes. Thanks. <laughs> like you yeah. have no idea the impact that that three minute email is going to make um, on, on that
0: on that person. It is gold. It is gold to teachers. You're right. Uh, cause we, you know, we, as teachers, we don't get that. Um, and nor do we expect it, but when you do get it, no, it's no. like, wow. Uh, yeah, I'll hold on But I, I still have a box of letters, um, and different notes, cards, whatever. Uh, I kept every single one. Um, my, my 19 year teaching career, I've kept every single letter, thank you, whatever. Um, now. It's not a big box because (laughs) you don't get many of them, (laughs) but, uh, no, it's, it's something that I think every teacher cherishes because like you said, uh, we don't, you, you don't typically get a thank you on a daily basis from the kids because they're so wrapped up in their own worlds and that's okay. Um, you know, we're wrapped up in their worlds too. (laughs) So. <laughs> no kidding uh bill
1: you have been awesome roger was totally spot on before i let you go i, I like yeah. to just give you the mic for the last little bit here and if there's anything we missed anything uh maybe a coach uh transitioning into coaching or maybe thinking about transitioning out of coaching or young coaches whatever it doesn't matter i uh, just want to hand the mic over to you and and let you say whatever you want to say
0: well, I, I, I mean, I, I think I've talked a lot. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know uh, what else to say other than I, I love, I, I always appreciate the opportunity to to talk coaching. It um, doesn't matter what, what the sport is. Um, and I think as a coach, whether you are a first-year coach or a 20th-year coach, um, you can always learn more and you can always get better and never think that um, – that, that there isn't something out there that can make you a better coach. Uh, it always amazes me when I used to go to coaching clinics and I went to coaching clinics all the way to my last year. Um, how many young coaches would be at the clinics? Not a whole lot of veteran coaches. Um, you know, and, and I always thought that was interesting because, you know, the minute you think that you know it all, you're showing just how ignorant you are. Uh, and, and I really believe that as a coach, as a teacher, as a parent, uh, hell, as a human being, um, we have to, 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 to really embrace the idea of being a lifelong learner, um, because every day is an opportunity to improve on the person you were the day before. And I think if you teach that to your, your players, if you teach that to your students, if you teach that to your own children, um, you've given them the greatest gift of all. That's gold. I
1: love it. Bill, uh, like I said, uh, you were awesome. Roger Serwinski is fantastic, and thank you, Roger. I know you're listening to this. Thank you for uh, getting me Bill's email address. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Bill, you're great. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show and and sharing so much. I know you know you've had a a long career. It's been fun to be able to hear from somebody who's still in education who has retired from the coaching side because I think it lets you kind of open up a little bit more about things and be a little bit more reflective. So just like I said. Thank you. I appreciate you so much for coming on. All
0: right. Thank you, Max. And thank you, Roger, for uh, for uh, referring me. It's, it's been a fun trip down memory lane for sure. So, and don't forget, Roger is the two-time state champion. He, he reminds me of that all the time whenever he sees me. He shows shows his two rings to me. Uh, <laughs> and I'm kidding about it, but uh, what a great guy. There's a perfect example of a coach who, who gets it. Um, and it's more than just wins and losses for Roger, too. So... Absolutely.
1: Awesome, Phil. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Rogers Erwinski and Bill Ackerman coaching at the same school at the same time. Those were some lucky kids at West York Area High School. Big thanks to Coach Ackerman for joining the show. And thanks again to Netting Pros and the Athletes Against Anxiety and Depression Foundation for sponsoring the episode. Plus, a huge thank you to you for clicking that play button. Once again, if you haven't joined the club, it. It takes about 90 seconds to sign up. You'll be part of the premier national organization of high school coaches, trainers, administrators, and so much more. Plus, you'll get the weekly newsletter in your inbox every Wednesday morning. You can find that link down in the show notes. Don't forget to leave a rating, maybe even a review. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please share it on social media. Email it to a friend tell someone about it. If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on this show, be sure to reach out to me. Even if that recommendation is you follow the club on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at HS coaches club. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Max price, and you can reach me via email max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for all you do. And as coach Lee would say, loving you.